0: Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. Ask pretty much anyone what in the environment around you is worrisome, and you'll get a long list of answers. Ticks in the woods, bed bugs, pesticides in food, chemicals in homes, dog bites, shark bites. Everybody has sort of a pet list of things that they are stressed out about. Lise Johnson is a biomedical engineer and an assistant professor at Rocky Vista University in Colorado.
1: I hear a lot about medications or medication errors, a lot about environmental pollutants. It might just be the circles that I run in. I tend to hang out with other moms of young children, and they're really stressed out about, you know, whether their children are getting the right kinds of experiences or the right kinds of nutrition or the, you know, I'm kind of in that phase of life. And Johnson admits the hand-wringing wasn't just something that she noticed in passing. I think I have always been a bit of a worry wart. When I had kids, it really escalated almost exponentially, and I found that I was stressing about all kinds of things. Um, and I was talking to my husband one evening about how stressed out I was about flame retardants in our furniture, and I didn't really know what a big, how, whether that was a big deal or not a big deal. And he said to me, you know, you're really actually equipped to answer this question if you wanted to. <laughs> and I realized that that's actually true. Johnson had spent years reading scientific literature,
0: and she could apply that same expertise to figuring out what was worth worrying about and what wasn't. Eric Chudler, a neuroscientist at the University of Washington, embarked on the project with her. And when he told people that he was researching what we should and shouldn't worry about, he also started to hear concerns
2: you know i'm i'm afraid to fly and is my plane going to crash should i be worried about you know going on the train should i worry about taking a flight on friday the 13th you know and superstitions and things like that lees johnson
0: and eric chudler looked for the highest quality data on everything from aluminum to anesthesia it all culminated in the book worried science investigates some of life's common concerns which revolves around three questions. First, how likely is it that a dog bite or lead contamination or an asteroid strike or whatever is gonna happen to you? Second, if it did happen, how bad would it be? And third, can you do anything to prevent this thing from happening? They came away with fairly low concerns about GMOs, cell phones, and anesthesia, but if there was an overarching theme to what they found, it was this. We tend to be most worried about the exotic and the rare, What we should be more worried about is the mundane, like medical errors.
1: Um, One of the papers that I looked at estimated that medical errors are the third leading cause of death in the United States. Which is distressing, to say the least. I teach at a medical school, and that's one of the statistics i like to share with my students. And part of the problem is that we don't really have a rigorous way for tracking that in the United States. If you die of a heart attack as a result of a medical error, your cause of death will be myocardial infarction, not medical error. Hmm. So I think that there is a rising awareness of how big of a problem that is, and that some changes have been implemented, some of them at the University of Washington having to do with checklists, but that's, it's still a major concern.
0: Eric, why do you think it is uh, that, you know, if we went around and asked people what they're afraid of, medical errors, I doubt, would be very high on the list, whereas shark attacks might be? Give me a sense of why our brain maybe tends to distort, you know, what is really likely to happen to us.
2: Part of it might be just media exposure. Hmm. You know, when a shark attack happens, even though it very rarely happens, it's all over the news. Things like medical errors, things like aluminum, things that uh, we don't really think about too much or don't have the the wow factor, I suppose, uh, just don't make the news. And so I don't think it just reaches people's consciousness. So I think those events that are very horrific, have that immediate visceral effect, really resonate with people.
0: Um, so let's get right into some specifics since we've mentioned shark attacks. Um, you looked at different kinds of animals what should we worry about? What shouldn't? What'd you find?
2: Well, let's start with what we should not really worry about. And okay. a lot of people are afraid of sharks going into the water, that sharks are going to be looking for us for, to snack on a, a human meal. And that's really not something we have to worry about. In fact, there are only five deaths per year from shark attacks. And there are only about 88, less than 100, less than 100 unprovoked sharks attacked in the entire world. So the likelihood of being uh, approached by a shark is just so low. Certainly, if you do get attacked by a shark, it's a horrific incident. But the likelihood of something like that to happen is just so low. Uh, so sharks, snakes, spiders, really nothing to worry about. The consequences, uh, the likelihood is, is just so low.
0: So when you said unprovoked, I assume provoked, a provoked attack is like somebody really, I don't know, seeking out a shark.
2: Sure. Maybe a scuba diver or a snorkeler going up and and trying to pet the shark, which is not advised. Right. Okay. Uh, An animal that perhaps we should worry about that we perhaps don't is mosquitoes. Mosquitoes are a vector for many, many diseases which can have devastating effects. Maybe not so much in the United States, but around the world, mosquitoes are a very, very uh, significant health risk.
0: So, Eric, explain how you went about when there was a particular thing. You know, dogs. Should you worry about dogs? How did you go about thinking about that problem? Um, like, should you be worried about dogs? And 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 like, what were your criteria?
2: Um, so there are statistics that document how many. People were injured by dogs, how many people were bit by dogs, how many people were killed by dogs. Uh, The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have statistics that they collect over the years. Uh, That's a a reputable source. We can also go to the peer-reviewed literature. Anyone who's interested in any topic can go to online resource called PubMed where they can just type in a topic and peer-reviewed papers will appear. Many of those papers will be free online. They could read the methods that were used to collect the data, and they could by themselves analyze whether or not those data are something that they should give credibility to. Hmm.
0: Okay. And then, Liz, do you want to talk about when when you did this research, what was one thing that really jumped out to you as like, you know, I used to worry about this, but really, I, I probably shouldn't worry as much about it?
1: Um, I think aluminum was a big one for me. I had always thought that aluminum cookware was particularly bad and huh. we shouldn't have aluminum in antiperspirants. And that was something that, as I looked at the data, I realized it's actually really not that big of a deal. Hmm. It doesn't hurt to eliminate it, but it doesn't really buy you as much as eliminating some of the other things from your life, like lead, hmm. um, for example.
0: And what were – and on the other side, was there something that you – are worried more about than you were before, that you you know you didn't think it was a big deal. But now you think it's a bigger deal.
1: Um, I think, again, with lead, I sort of had it in the back of my mind that it was something that I should be worried about. But I yeah. didn't really realize how worried I should be about that. Another one was. PFAs for me. So I was worried about Teflon, Teflon cookware. And as I was researching about Teflon cookware, I realized that Teflon is not as big of a deal as the chemicals that are used in the manufacturing of Teflon.
0: Okay. And what, is um, and PFA, still what does PFA stand for? Polyfluoroalkyls. Okay. And that's part of like making Teflon, putting the Teflon in your pan.
1: Right. Okay. Exactly. So PFAs are persistent environmental pollutants. Um, they're you know, kind of everywhere. They've isolated them in the fat of polar bears, which seems to be sort of the standard for a persistent environmental pollutant. If you can find it in a polar bear, then it's a bad deal. Hmm. And they're associated with all kinds of poorly described health effects, which is to say we don't even really know what they might do to us. And there are thousands of different kinds of PFAs floating around out there in the wild. People have transitioned primarily from the long-chain PFAs to the shorter-chain PFAs, which are supposedly better, but there's really not any evidence to back that up yet. So I think that's still something that's of great concern to me, especially because they tend to be found in food wrappings, so paper products that are coated for oil and water resistance that you might find at restaurants in particular are often coated with PFAs. You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. I'm talking with
0: Lise Johnson
1: and Eric Chudler,
0: authors of the book Worried, Science Investigates Some of Life's Common Concerns. Um, Lise, let me have you talk about another topic that you say we really should worry more about, um, and that's alcohol.
1: I was really dismayed and surprised by just really how negative the effects of alcohol can be. I haven't been as exposed to some of the More serious effects personally. And so I tend to think of it more as like a relaxing thing to do on the weekends and not so much as a serious societal problem. And I do have to say that since writing that chapter, I've cut way back on my own alcohol intake. I don't drink anymore. Um, I just don't really think it's as appealing to me after after reading about that. Hmm. What, what were the things that you found out about that made you
0: concerned about alcohol that, that placed it kind of, frankly, when you look at all the risks in your book and you you guys look at dozens and dozens of things and evaluate the risks, alcohol is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's right up there. Why?
1: Um, Because I think, first of all, there's the personal effects by consuming alcohol. You're raising your risk of cancer. You're raising your risk of um, putting yourself in a dangerous situation. There aren't really any demonstrated, strongly demonstrated health benefits associated with drinking. And um, in addition, there's just a lot of societal problems associated with it, so obviously drunk driving is a huge problem. There's also a strong correlation with domestic violence and with child abuse. Basically every kind of societal problem can be exacerbated with alcohol. I think if you look at, you know, the incidence of assault on college campuses, it's always strongly related to alcohol consumption, or or often related to alcohol consumption. And I just think from that perspective, it does a lot more damage than it does good.
0: There are people who are thinking like, but doesn't, you know, isn't red wine really good for you? Doesn't it help your heart? Haven't I read studies about how great it is for you? Did
1: you look at that? Yeah. So it turns out that there's maybe a small benefit from moderate alcohol consumption, but not enough for anybody to really recommend that you start drinking if you don't drink already.
0: And Eric has the act of this has the act of writing this book changed how much you worry, and has it changed what you worry about?
2: Um, I think it's just uh, relieved a lot of my worries. I didn't really worry about too much, too many things in the in the past, but. I think you might you might think to yourself, well, what what does it matter if I worry about spiders or what what does it matter if i I worry about sharks or things like that? And the point is that you don't have to, and that resources, both your time, your energy, or perhaps even financially, resources that go toward uh, a lane of fear that doesn't need to be reduced. Really takes away from something that should be, that we really should be worried about. So, hopefully, what this book does is it uh, will direct people's worries to things that they should worry about and they can forget about things that they really don't have any control over or are unlikely to happen.
0: Are there things you worry more about? You know, Lise was saying, like, she doesn't, this changed her uh, sort of approach to alcohol. Did this change your approach to one or two things?
2: Um, I perhaps have reduced the amount of red meat that I eat uh, weekly so I have reduced the consumption of meat from my diet
0: okay um I wonder with both of you is there one big topic that you did not research or write about that that you do worry about that you know it, it still looms out there for you and it's something that, that so it is on your mind Eric you want to start
2: I would say climate change. Uh, it's a topic that uh, is on everyone's minds. It should be on people's mind. Uh, there's a lot of research. Uh, some of that research is being ignored by certain segments of society. But I would say my number one concern is climate change.
0: And, Lise, what's what's your number one concern? That sort of that you didn't research.
1: Um, I actually think Eric took my answer as okay. well. Okay, but I'll I'll think of a secondary one, which is we talked we touched on ever so slightly in the book, which is antibiotic resistance. It's something that I think is going to become a huge issue in the near future.
0: Hmm. Do you have any suggestions for people who have something they worry about? And like, what's the best way, do you think, to really try to quell those fears or to deal with that worry?
1: I think What we decided in the book, the things that you should worry about are the things that are likely to happen to you and the things that you can simultaneously do something about. And I think. If you have something that you're particularly worried about and it's obviously not covered in the book already, then the best thing you can do is find legitimate information and legitimate resources surrounding that and try and make an educated decision about what your risk is. We did include an appendix in the book which is called sort of do it yourself, which is a way to find resources that we think would help people um, as they're trying to make these decisions.
0: Lise Johnson is a biomedical engineer and an assistant professor at Rocky Vista University in Colorado. Eric Chudler is a neuroscientist at the University of Washington. They are the co-authors of the book Worried Science Investigates Some of Life's Common Concerns. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Haven't got a worry to my name. On our website, we'll have more about how scientists are using genetics to try and combat something that Lise Johnson mentioned that she's particularly worried about, antibiotic-resistant bacteria. That'll be at innovationhub.org. Thanks to the people who helped put together this show, senior producer Elizabeth Ross, producer Mark Songer, associate producer Sarah Leeson, and engineer Doug Sugarts. We also bid a fond farewell this week to our great intern, Emily Griffinius. From PRI and WGBH Radio, I'm Kara Miller, and this is Innovation Hub.
1: PRI, Public Radio International.